find ourselves with the mully grubs from time to time. However, if we stay there too long, depression begins to set in and none of us want that to happen. The prophet Jeremiah had reason to be downcast when he was thrust into the bottom of a deep cistern. He started down that path of the mully grubs, but then quickly remembered what he needed to do in order to avoid falling into depression. We can learn from Jeremiah's experience and insight. Promise of a new start, new chances, new opportunities, and new hope. Always remember the promise. Now, many of us are reaching what is ordinarily called advanced age. That means we have lived longer than many people expected. And one of the benefits of this reaching advanced age is our ability to forget things. We are the brunt of jokes because we have mastered the ability to take five steps in a certain direction and then stand there wondering why we were moving. Forgetting things, though, is not just the realm of the aged because the younger set today is discovering that they forget things even though they've made a list. And, of course, that's because they have so much on their mind. Now, the reverse side of this forgetfulness is a cause for awe with those suffering from Alzheimer's, which we know to be a disease uh, that causes uh, immense forgetfulness. But it is amazing what an Alzheimer's victim can recall. Gracie's mom could not remember having babies, even though she had six of them, and it was something that she loved about her life. She could not remember her children, but she could still recall scripture verses she had learned. We could see the joy on her face as she remembered what they meant to her. Over and over again, we hear of this among Christians afflicted with a dementia disease. Why is that? What causes that? Why do we seem to forget important milestones in our life but can recall the eternal truths that we learn somewhere along the way. Do you think maybe it's that phrase, eternal truth, that might have something to do with it? Maybe there are some things that are just too good to forget. The prophet Jeremiah, in all of his struggles that came with trying to serve the Lord, felt that way at times. As was true of many of God's prophets, Jeremiah was not a very popular guy in his time. <clears throat> he was often ridiculed for his words and one time was left in the bottom of a cistern, which in that time was much deeper than a 55-gallon drum. As he would look at his circumstances, he would begin to get the mully grubs. I don't know that he called them mully grubs, but I know what it means. We can see that in his writings called Lamentations. He was lamenting his condition, his position. First, he calls out to the Lord to look at his situation. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Now, the word wanderings here in this verse doesn't have the meaning that we would normally apply to it uh, you know, just kind of wandering around lost. 
If you would picture someone in the middle of a circle of bullies being shoved back and forth across. That's what that word means. And that's the kind of wandering to which Jeremiah was subjected. Now, after he asks the Lord to see what is happening, he said that these things weigh heavily on his mind. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Don't we also get the same way? We get that way when we find ourselves in challenging circumstances. When we're sick or in pain, we believe there is nothing good worth thinking about. I often use the illustration, because I know for me, when I have a toothache, my whole body is a tooth. Okay, and I'm consumed with that thinking. Our mind is consumed with the discomfort. Or when a machine that we depend on breaks down, our mind is consumed with thoughts about how to take care of the problem. If our problem is not soon alleviated, our soul becomes, like Jeremiah said, bowed down within us. All joy is gone and nothing anyone says or does seems to lift us out of the mully grubs. We're there. But then a light begins to dawn for Jeremiah. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He calls something to mind in the midst of his downward spiral. In the midst of his overwhelming sorrow, he calls on something to remember. Now, we do this, or actually I could, should say it happens to us, with the passing of a loved one. In the midst of our sorrow, all of a sudden, a thought comes in about them that makes us smile. We've probably all experienced it. We recall a pleasant moment with them. We weren't searching for it, it just showed up. It appears while we're in the midst of our pain over the loss, it grabs us. But there are things in the Bible that seem to indicate that we do not have to wait for things to just show up. We can maybe take control, exercise something. There are things that we can do that can keep us from ending up in the deep, dark hole of depression that attends to a prolonged period of the mulligrubs. King David also had his bouts with depression as people and things would turn against him. We read in 1 Samuel, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David realized that he was on a downward spiral with his feelings and took charge over his thoughts and emotions. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How often do we get caught in one of those negative downward spirals and feel as if we just want to ride it all the way down? It becomes mesmerizing those negative thoughts 
The hypnosis of depression is somewhat like the white lines droning on the highway underneath us as we lose conscious thought of our driving and begin to drift off in our thoughts. That's what negative thinking, depressive type thoughts feel like, look like. It is quite possible for that to not end in a good way. Unless you take charge of the situation and snap out of it. Now that's what David did in the midst of his downward plunge into depression. He took charge of his thoughts and encouraged himself in the Lord. Maybe he was aware of the principle that the Apostle Paul laid out for the Philippians and for us. Where we read, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's not anything in that list that's going to drive you down. They're all going to lift you up. Now that word think in this verse is an intensified word, and it means to take control of your thoughts. It's not about thinking just allowing whatever enters the mind to pass through without notice, but it's to take charge, to force your thoughts. Obviously, we are to force our thoughts onto good things to think about. Left to ourselves, though, most of us will soon go down the path of negativity thinking about the economy, the government, or other types of idiots that we have to deal with. Given the reality of our human existence, we know that we are not able to continually force our thoughts to conform to any form of rigor. Any rule or regulation, just trying to force it all the time, it's not going to happen. The mind goes where it goes and we're at the effect of it. And therefore we need to remember that we can take control, that we are not subject to just those random thoughts that come in. Uh, I've said before, thoughts are going to enter your mind, but you do not have to pull up a chair and offer it hospitality. It's just not necessary. That's why we need to recall these principles of bringing our thoughts into captivity, especially when they begin to run wild. Paul mentioned this in another of his letters where he said to the Corinthians, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are to bring our wandering thoughts under control. It is often our wandering thoughts that get us into trouble, sending us down the path of negative emotions. That negativity, that path toward depression, is often brought about by our thoughts, our thinking process. And our negative thinking is often brought about by the circumstances in which we find ourselves. When things are not going well, we tend to agree with the thoughts that say things are not going well. Pretty soon we're on that slide. Now that's where Jeremiah was going as he looked at his situation and thought about all the bad things happening to him. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Uh, weeping prophet is a nice way of saying he was a crybaby. Okay? Because essentially he had trouble throughout his life. But then he took charge of his thinking. 
He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He called something to mind. He brought it up so that he could destroy the downward path that he was on. On the surface, it looked as if God had forgotten about him. That God didn't care what was happening to Jeremiah. We've probably all felt that way at one time or another. We could quote the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jeremiah then tells us what it was that he called to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, I don't know if my faith is strong enough to be able to say that from the bottom of a cistern. But I want to. I want my faith to be there. And I see heads nodding. I think you want that also. I want my faith to be at the place where things only get me down for a moment before I'm able to call to mind the promises of God. Look at this statement carefully. At what point does God's love run out? Says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. At what point will he lose patience with you? In other words, when will his mercy be shut off for you? His mercies never come to an end. In fact, they are new every morning. As looking at it from a human standpoint, he just reaches over and grabs a whole new supply of mercy. Yesterday's supply is done with. Now, there are some of God's promises that simply do not cheer us up. For instance, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purposes. People often quote that to you when you're down, when you're having bad circumstances, but it doesn't cheer you up. But this fact, this fact about God's love and mercy should be something that we never forget. Regardless of what's going on, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And it said steadfast, that means it hangs in there. It's with you through thick and thin. You cannot push God over the edge so that he loses his temper with you. His faithfulness is great. May you remember in your time of trial his love and mercy regardless of the depth of that trial. The steadfast love of the Lord for you never ceases and his mercy towards you will never be exhausted. That kind of love and mercy is simply too good to forget. Let that take you. Carry it with you. Let's prepare our hearts for communion as we sing from the blue hymnal 